Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sports Grid Fantasy Football Podcast. You also might be hearing this on the Ship Chasing Podcast, where they just broke down in depth last night the Sam Bradford trade. Uh, if you read, if you read the pod description, that's how that's how Pete described it. So, Corrine, I have a big drive. I'm driving to Kansas City this weekend, so I have Ship Chasing downloaded, um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna listen to it when I'm in the car. Is this episode actually going to discuss football? And does Pete give any takes, or is he literally just listening the entire time? Um, I'll answer the second question first. Pete was mostly listening, yeah. Um, but you know, Pete's a good host, so he was kind of driving driving the episode along. And I'll I'll say, you know, maybe for you this is a downside, but without Pete that episode I think would have been three hours long. (laughs) I was down to talk about the entire draft class and he quickly realized that that was not going to work. We talked about the quarterbacks. Then we transitioned to the wide receivers, talk about the wide receivers. for the rest of the episode didn't get to the running backs or tight ends. Otherwise we'd have you covered for the full draft full drive. Well, there we go. So I have done my first rookie draft. Um, I've made all of my, actually I have one more pick left to make in, um, the Scott Barrett dynasty league, which is very competitive and has a lot of very good players in it. And you have done a mock draft now, and I I'm starting to get a sense of how they're going to play out in more casual leagues, how it's going to play out in the FFPC, how it'll play out in these very intense dynasty leagues that are no fun to play in um, with, with all of, with all of my friends. So this is the, this is the first place I want to start. Do you think taking Kyle Pitts 101, even in Superflex, is a mistake? Superflex tight end premium, which is the format that a lot, you know, a lot of people play on the FFPC. A lot of other dynasty leagues are obviously set up that way. Do you think taking Pitts over Lawrence, over Chase, over Fields is a mistake, or do you think that's fine? No, I think it's definitely a mistake. I mean, we know that tight ends are really hard to predict that we see guys who we think are going to be awesome tight ends uh, based on the prospect profile don't turn into all that much. And then you look at like who the tight ends that turn into stars, like if you could just look at the stars and then look back at the type of prospects they were, they were like usually okay prospects, but like Kelsey, not an amazing prospect. Kittle, not an amazing prospect. Darren Waller converted from wide receiver. Like there's, not a well, great Dar- Darren record. Waller was a really good prospect. Darren Waller, Darren Waller was very productive and like a Doran Dickerson esque athlete. If wasn't because Waller was a yes. wide receiver, right? That's right. Waller was a wide receiver. He was very, very athletic. But he had like a severe drug and alcohol addiction, and so never like was set as an NFL player, basically. Yes, but he was also two thirty eight, so he had a transition yeah. to make to become a tight end. So. You know, and it took him a number of years. I think it would have taken him a number of years, even anyway. Yeah, sober. Yeah. So it's just because of the, because of the body uh, transformation. So anyway, Kyle Pitts. Do I am I 
down on Kyle Pitts? Not at all. I'm really excited about Kyle Pitts. I think he, you know, he looks like the, the easiest kind of layup tight end pick that we've maybe ever had. But at the same time, the resale value on quarterbacks and super flex is insane. If you don't like Trevor Lawrence after his rookie year, you can get still probably whatever you want for Trevor Lawrence next year. And the quarterback market in a lot of these leagues is just, it's really, really hard to get a high end guy. So if you have a chance to get a guy with a ceiling like Lawrence has take it because the floor is also incredibly high. So to me, I think it's, you take the four quarterbacks. I'm not including Mac Jones in that, but you take the four other guys and then let's talk about the skill position guys after that. And I really like Pitts and I really like chase. See, I, I think chase goes three. I, I think Chase settles Over at three, Wilson. and I think you take Chase. I think you take Chase at three because, yeah. What so what you're saying is true about quarterback value. They hold their value. They are. I mean, basically, just by nature of being a starting quarterback under the age of thirty, you're worth a future first in these leagues. Yeah, like that's just the way it works. Um, and we are also kind of at a sea change, right? Roethlisberger is retiring. Philip Rivers just retired. Drew Brees just retired. Um, How much you know, longer is the Rodgers got? Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to be gone. Andy Dalton's going to be gone. Brady's going to be gone. Like they're like they're. We are definitely um, entering into a a weird time in the NFL where we're going to see a lot of turnover at the quarterback position. So I I, I agree with that, but I think the ceiling of what chase can be, which is, you know, I, I think he could be one of the three best wide receivers in the NFL, probably like for fantasy hundred percent that's 100%. in his range. Yeah. Chase is that's an easier argument for me because what the one thing we're pretty good at is predicting wide receivers into the NFL. And, and when I say that, it's like, it doesn't wide receivers were good enough at it where landing spot and, you know, draft capital, even within like a certain, you know, range is like, basically we can say like this second round wide receiver has such a good profile. I prefer him to this first round wide receiver and end up being right. And with a lot of other positions, that's really tough. You almost want to factor in the draft capital a lot more than your own personal evaluation with chase. We're going to get both. We're going to, he's going to be the first wide receiver drafted top 10 pick. Yeah. Profile is outstanding. Even outside of draft capital. Um, and it looks more outstanding than it than it did, you know, this time last year, even though we have no football, because now we know Justin Jefferson is an absolute superstar and he outproduced Jefferson in 2019. And we're getting excited about Terrace Marshall, who just exploded without having to deal with Justin Jefferson. And this, Chase. this is this is who I wanted to talk to you about, because I basically didn't feel strongly about Terrace Marshall at all. I did. I did. I really didn't feel I wasn't like I like this guy. I wasn't out on him. He had he did have a good pro day, um, which, you know, the pro days I I do. I think I think I'm team player profiler here. Like, I think they do need to be adjusted a little bit. Um, and I expect that the NFL teams are going to adjust pro day stuff a little bit. I just don't, I just don't care because they're all doing pro days. Yeah, that's true. And the only reason this really matters is because of draft position. Mm -hmm. Like fundamentally, we don't really care that much except for the, how it's going to impact draft position to a point. I mean, if a guy runs like a four, eight, yeah, that's that's not going to cut it. But like you're mostly like, does this guy have NFL athleticism or does he not or does he not? And then 
beyond that, it's all going to be, I mean, almost all. I still care a little bit at the running back position where I think it does give us a little bit more information than just looking at draft position. But at wide receiver, man, I just care about what how it's going to affect the draft position. And Terrace Marshall, I think it probably helps. I think he's now in the first round conversation at least. Maybe he ends up going day two, but he could sneak into the back end of the first round now, which makes me more interested in him than you know I was a month ago. So – I, I basically was like, whatever. I, I'm not really, I think I'm lower than the market on the Elijah Moore, Deami Brown, Kadarius Tony guys in this draft. Because I one, I don't expect that these guys are going to touch the first round of the NFL draft. I think it's more like day two, day three. Moore just got mocked, uh, move the sticks, mocked Elijah Moore to the Bucks at pick 32. Yeah, he also mocked Davis Mills to go in the first, or someone, Peter Schrager just mocked uh, Davis Mills, the the USC quarterback, to go in the first round. So I, oh, I, I, what is like, that? I, is that move the sticks fault? What's going on? Well, no, I just think that picks 20 through 32, I, having done, well, having done many mock drafts, like I've done mock drafts for the last couple of years, picks 20 through 32, unless you know someone from a team and you, they've been, they've leaked you something specifically. It, it just is, it gets very rand um, down that there. That makes sense. And I, I generally agree. I think, I think Elijah Moore is day two, but I like Elijah Moore because I don't think he's going day three. He's, he looks yeah. pretty set for day two. I think Deami Brown could go day three. Kadarius Tony won't go day three, but he should. <laughs> I'm just not into him as a wide receiver prospect. Um, but, you know, the thing with Tony is like, well, what if he kind of uh, switches to running back? And at that point, I would be a little bit interested. For I, like a, I like Amari Rogers better as the as the switch to running back prospect because he Amari Rogers literally just looks like an NFL running back. Like he's what five ten, but two two oh five. Like he like he has the the more prototypical running back size. And he's actually an early declare. That's that's an interesting thought. Yeah, um, which he he did running back drills at Clemson's pro day. Amari Rogers did. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but for me, I think I have. Um, you know, a pretty clear break between Terrace Marshall and like the guys that you just mentioned. I- See, and he was in there for me. And then I, so I'm doing this draft. Um, I'm, I'm doing this rookie draft and I uh, got, I traded back from the 102 to the 104 and I picked up the 206 to do that. That was the, that was the tax. And so I'm sitting on the clock at 206. I had already taken Kenneth Gainwell, who I, mm. uh, we we can talk about can running talk backs about here him? in a second. Yeah, he, yeah, I'm excited. Um, but I'm I'm on the clock, and uh, Tylen Wallace is there, Terrace Marshall is there, Michael Carter's there, um, Chubba Hubbard is there, and I, you know, I was just kind of looking at stuff, and I had obviously I'd looked at Terrace Marshall, but first I didn't realize that he was still 20. Um, yep. I thought I thought that he was 21, and. I, for whatever reason, I also didn't really remember him playing in 2019 that much. And his dominator rating is not great, but mm-hmm. he scored he scored 13 touchdowns in there, including five touchdowns in their playoff games, right? So against Georgia, Oklahoma, and Clemson. So I, I think he is actually pretty underrated as a prospect. Now, now, all of the film watchers, literally – all of the all of the film guys do not like him. They they think that he's pretty raw and probably can't play big slot at all. Like he's only 
only out, which I don't know how much that matters, well, but. Okay. But he just played from the slot at LSU and he put up a 47% dominator rating. Now Pretty good. I agree. I think he's going to play on the outside and Thor Nystrom at NBC sports said she was talking about how, you know, he thinks it's probably just offensive scheme. The reason why they had him in the slot. It's like, we need to replace Justin Jefferson. Yeah. And so, um, they had him there kind of because of the, what the offense needed, but he, yeah, he probably is on the outside as a pro, but it's kind of hard for me to swallow an argument that he can't be in the slot. Some, um, when he just did this from the slot, I mean, he had, an, he had how funny is that? <laughs> how funny is that, that we used to be like, Oh dude, slot wide receivers. You can't play those guys in fantasy. Right. And now, and now it's literally like, dude, we need you to play in the slot. So you get four free catches a game or else like you're useless to us. Right. Yeah. yeah. The other thing about him is he's a true early declare wide receiver. Five-star recruit. Five-star recruit. As you mentioned, he's still just 20 years old, doesn't turn 21 till the summer. And he's got some nice height to him, right? He's 6'3". He's only like 205, but, you know, you could imagine him putting on a little bit more weight as he turns 21 and 22 here. Like, he's still developing. And we, you know, you talk about how he had – this pretty underrated 2019 season, like what was he supposed to do dominator rating wise? He's playing with Justin Jefferson and Jamar chase. Like dominator rating is a percentage of the offense. There's no way for the pie to grow just because there's two amazing wide receivers in there next to you. You need to dominate more than those guys. And he wasn't going to do that a year younger than chase and two years younger than Jefferson. He just, he just wasn't going to do it. Uh, I guess, no, same year as chase, but chase is a monster. So as soon as he got the opportunity to have the offense to himself, he gets 59% of the touchdowns, 34% of the yards, 47% dominate rating. I mean, just outstanding stuff. So answers that question, I think, of like, you know, are you able to be the guy? Yeah, he was able to be the guy. I think still a little bit boom bust because we only saw this in seven games. Um, yeah. And the tape guys do seem to think he he might not have this like he's he's a little like T Higgins I think where he's probably um, that's it I I really like that comp yeah yeah because because T Higgins fell into the second round of the NFL draft last year uh, or of 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 the NFL draft and of rookie drafts um, really only had one year of insane market share stuff right um and and also played with other nfl wide receivers if you go back and look at that 2018 clemson team amari rogers hunter renfro um and then obviously you know travis Etienne there and then also the comparison of played with a future nfl quarterback which i don't think we we don't really talk about that stuff all that often but you know playing with joe burrow and joe brady as your offensive coordinator i mean like, I don't really know how to weight that. I think clearly in the case of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, it made, it made Clyde Edwards-Hilaire yeah. look a lot better than he is. Um, and Joe Burrow, I mean, Joe Burrow was good enough to me as a rookie that I don't think, like, I'm not, I'm not saying like, oh, you know, he was a product of uh, Chase Jefferson and Marshall. Like, I thought, I thought Joe Burrow played very well in the, in the yeah. time when he was not but maybe he was year. a little bit of a product. Maybe, you know, it wasn't, he's not... <laughs> It's, I'm a little less impressed with what he did, having seen Justin Jefferson do what he did. I'll say that. Okay. Just a um, little. 
So here's a question for you. Joe Burrow versus Trevor Lawrence dynasty. Which which one would you just one for one straight up? Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I think that's close. And if you I think that if you go that way, I think you have to say Lawrence is gonna run a little bit. You I will think run that, a little bit. I mean, Burrow also I mean, to be fair, Burrow 37 rush attempts. 142 rushing yards, three touchdowns in nine games. But he's coming off a torn ACL. Who are you getting more for if they have a bad season this year? Who are you getting more? I mean, I don't I don't think that is I think that's pretty close because Burrow has been a passable fantasy asset already. We literally have already seen him do it. He was he was decent enough per game um in a in a bad context and I think they are going to draft Sewell. So I think their offensive line is going to be better. Now, if Burrow is not ready, if Burrow has to go on the on the pup list and is not ready until week six or whatever, um, then it's Trevor Lawrence. I think if Burrow has a, a like even a kind of mediocre season, it's going to be oh god, he's Baker Mayfield. That's how oh, the fantasy community man. is going to react. That's so tough. <laughs> I feel like I feel like Burrow's already. Year. I feel like Burrow is already better than Baker Mayfield, though. Yeah, I think he probably is. Like, I'm not down on Burrow. I'm just saying, like, there's some – you need Burrow to show up and, and play well this year if you're a Burrow owner. You so don't then, really I need mean, that from Lawrence. You you need him to look – you need him to flash. Yeah, and Burrow is going to enter into a context that is way better than most rookie quarterbacks because when most rookie quarterbacks come in, they're throwing to to Andre Roberts and, um, you know, right. some – Yeah, right. but, but he's coming in to – uh he's got visca LaVisca and shark yeah which and, and, and marvin jones pro- is not nothing for you know helping a young quarterback and they will probably take another wide receiver or tight end as well i would imagine at some point in yeah, the draft i agree with you there's some interesting tight ends in this class too okay justin fields or joe burrow justin fields even if okay, but this is where it gets weird. What if Justin Fields does? If what if they actually are serious about taking Mac Jones and Justin Fields goes, I mean, literally anywhere else to Denver? Awesome! That sounds. Oh great. my god! Oh my god! Can you imagine? If <laughs> if, so if, if Justin Fields goes to Denver, I might rank him ahead of Trevor Lawrence. To be honest, yeah, I actually think him falling past San Francisco could be a blessing. You know, if he goes to Carolina, awesome. Like, and the thing too is. Oh no! Now he now he's behind Sam Darnold. He's not going to play the full season. Well, that's that's cares? fine. Yeah, we're we're like, putting that in with Trey Lance anyways. Like I I right. think Trey Lance. If you if I set the number at eight game eight and a half games started for Trey Lance year one, you probably mm-hmm. take the under. Yeah, I take the under. Yeah, yeah. But that's fine because you know, like first of all, again with the trade value, you don't need a full season from these guys before their trade value skyrockets. You know, we're going to get excited about. You know, Her- Herbert's a good example. You know, he could have even played less. He could have played four or five games if if Tyra doesn't get, uh, you know, his lung punctured by the doctor. So, but the point is, you know, once he gets out there and we see, oh, this guy's really good, that's kind of all you need. Um, and any production you're getting out of these guys is kind of a bonus in, in year one, I think. So, yeah, I mean, if Fields goes to any of these teams, he- he's not going to fall to like, the 30th pick he's I mean, he's if he, if he, if he goes pick. if if fields goes to detroit that that's the worst case scenario Yeah, that sucks that sucks that really which sucks I, 
I, I feel, and this is backed by nothing, I feel like Detroit is going to take Trey Lance. That's actually what I feel like is going to happen because they are the most set up to just put him in a hermetically sealed chamber and not even let him see the field in year one and just tank and get the number one overall pick next year. Yeah, he's going to play. He's going to go back to school. Yeah. I mean, literally, like you just you just study up, you get comfortable, you lift weights. We do not want you to see we are going to throw Jared Goff to the wolves and just let him get eaten up and spit out because they they there's no reason to play him if he's on the Lions. See, my worry is they're going to take Chase and we're going to have to oh. suck it up. And what if they take Pitts? Anyway. Them taking Pitts is the actually that's the worst way the draft plays out is if Detroit takes Pitts. And you know what? From Detroit's perspective, it actually makes sense because he's a move tight end. They already have Hawkinson. They need yep. playmakers. They maybe talk themselves into these these bums they've signed. So, um, little unfair to Perriman. I think Perriman's okay, but yeah, uh, yeah. I kind of think they could talk themselves into Pitts, and uh, now we're all we'd all be sad. But <sighs> that would be that would be Ooh. really brutal. Um, all right, about, let's talk. Let's it, talk Gainwell. Oh, go ahead. I just want to bring up Lance here because would you, you know, what about the Lance for that question? Cause I think at that point, maybe I would lean burrow, but I, but honestly, I think I'd go Lance just because the ceiling no, with you Lance got, is you, so high. You got to take Joe Burrow is a Heisman trophy winning week one starter as a rookie who is already like, we think Trey Lance is going to be good. We think Trey Lance is going to run like we can wish cast on him a lot, but, but Joe Burrow is, Provided his knees stay together, he is going to start in the NFL for 10 years. He, he I don't is. want to bet on Joe Burrow's knee. I want to bet on Trey Lance's legs. This this dude could be awesome. Well, and I guess it, it would depend on like what your team is and can you win yeah. this year? Can you win next year? Whatever. Um, That's true. Yeah. Do you need the production? I, but, I, but I agree. I think it gets a little shaky there. And then I would take Burrow over Zach Wilson. Yeah, I don't think Zach Wilson's going to be very good. But I mean, he could be, but... He has that um, that profile that you just don't like, right? Weak competition, amazing it's offensive scary. line, and and I I I mean maybe I'm wrong about this, but I don't really think he is going to add much with his legs at all. No, he he's not a dual threat guy, but he is mobile. He's mobile. He's more ten of rush, like ten ten rushing touchdowns his final year at BYU. Yeah, he's mobile and he's got a big arm. So I would say with it's like my PSA with Zach Wilson is. Do not forget about him in one quarterback leagues because especially in the shallow leagues, there's not going to be any appetite for him because the quarterback class is deep and there's generally not a high appetite for quarterbacks in the first place. He's probably going to be free. He's probably going to be like a fourth or fifth round pick in the shallow one quarterback leagues. I think, you know, scoop him up in the super flex. He's probably going to be the guy, depending on how the draft goes, but he's probably going to be the guy that starts to fall behind the skill players that everyone's the, excited about. The Justin about. Herbert, yeah. And he's the Justin Herbert. So, like, we've seen this a bunch of times. Like, take that guy. You take that guy. Do not let him fall to the 109, 110. That's, that's not the way to well, play Well, Mac Jones is going to be that guy. Mac jo- but Mac he doesn't Jones. have any rushing upside at all. Mac Jones in this rookie draft, I did. Uh, the here Here's the first round. Kyle Pitts, 101. Trevor Lawrence, 102. Jamar Chase, 103. I took Justin Fields, 104. Najee Harris, 105. Javante Williams, 106. Trey Lance, 107. Zach Wilson, 108. Yeah, Travis Etienne, 109. Devonta Smith, 110. Rondale Moore, 111. Mac Jones, 112. But that seems so to me, the, the steal there is Wilson and Lance not Mac Jones because Mac Jones doesn't have that ceiling to where he's adding with his legs. Uh, 
you know, I don't think he's like a total statue, but for fantasy purposes, he's not going to be like adding a bunch of fantasy points to this leg. Where Wilson, he could, he could add, he's, he's not Kyler Murray, but he's going to add, you know, a little bit with his legs, um, you know, Herbert-esque. Yeah. All right. Uh, Kenneth Gainwell, he is, I first, I don't think this is a very deep running back draft at all. I, I would anticipate, you know, ETN and Harris being, Second round picks, probably Javante Williams in there as well. Gainwell round three. The the my my hope is that Gainwell is drafted by the Arizona Cardinals and mm. him and Edmonds end up in the one two share there. Gainwell 5'8, 201, uh, four four seven pro day, you know, kind of just you know, but but he was there is I you're not you're not supposed to to scout the helmet right but like there is something with these Memphis running backs right where you just feel like all, all these guys are good in the NFL just like all these guys end up being good NFL players. Well, I think the Memphis point matters here a little bit because he was being used as a wide receiver. Yep, quite a bit, and is one of the reasons that we didn't see more from Antonio Gibson at Memphis. They were playing yep. Kenny Gainwell instead. Kenny Gainwell is an awesome receiving running back prospect. He pops uh, in the numbers and yards per route run. He looks fantastic. So I'm pretty excited about Kenny Gainwell. The, the, the issue is, you know, he's so small that, you know, he's going to be clearly relegated to a scat back because he's, he's like 190 pounds. And then he shows up at his pro day. He's 201. So he put on the weight that we were hoping he would when he took the year off. He's at 201. Guys, you know, who came in that were – we're like, man, I hope this dude can develop into a more of a, a three down guy. He's kind of more of a pass catcher right now. LaShawn McCoy came in at 198. Ray Rice came in at 199. Christian McCaffrey came at 202. So when you're right at that 200 pound mark and you're an early declare, you, you've got some room to develop physically, which he is. There's a huge ceiling when you have the pass catching profile that he has. So I think we should be like way more excited about Kenny Gainwell following this pro day because of the weight. And he, he showed the athleticism four, four, seven, 40. Uh, he had some good jumps. So he's, he, you know, it didn't put on the weight and lose the burst. He's still the guy that we saw in 2019 based on these athletic measurables. And he's a little bit bigger than the guy we saw in 2019 ready for the NFL game. And, you know, for whatever it worse, for whatever it is worth, the other, backfield mate in 2019 of that Memphis Tigers team, Patrick Taylor. He's not a star in the NFL, but he is on the green Bay Packers roster. Like he is at least a, you know, this is not a guy who went to selling insurance after his college football career. Like the guy who was taking some touches away from Gainwell, um, some touches away from Antonio Gibson still like, you know, an NFL, like I'm sure if Patrick Taylor got 200 touches for the green Bay Packers, he would be fine. Right. Like that's just kind of the, the nature of the running back position. Yeah. And he, over his career, he ran almost 16 routes per game and he had a yards per route run of 2.46, which is wide receiver level. So I mean, you just f- don't see 51, that re- 51 receptions for Gainwell was second on that, on that Memphis team in receptions behind DeMonte Coxie, who will get drafted. I mean, I don't think Demonte Cox, he's like a great prospect or anything, but I think he's probably going to get drafted. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, that's, you just don't see that type of receiving profile from running backs very often where they're, they're basically, you know, being used as like a high volume wide receiver almost. And they're putting up the yards per route run of a wide receiver. So 
the to me the the red flag has been essentially removed of the of the size the size we, we know he's big enough um let's just hope he lands in a good landing spot now yeah um a, a, a guy who is a little controversial right now is chubba hubbard because it it feels like his we were expecting him to literally run like a four three five, um, mm-hmm. and he did not. He did not. He is six feet, two hundred eight pounds. Ran a four five one at his pro day. Basically, just a very average looking running back. Now, I mean, he cost himself so much money. He would have so been. He he would have bet. He would have. Uh, I mean, he could have went to the Chiefs instead of Clyde Edwards Hilaire had he declared last year. Good God. Or to the Steelers. They clearly, they were looking for a specific type of guy, I think, you know, pass catcher, I suppose. Yeah. But, and that's the other thing with Hubbard. Like, you want to, I, I actually feel like he's worse than kind of an average running back prospect because he didn't really catch passes. He didn't catch passes and his yards per route run sucked. He had 0.9 yards per route run and he was, he was out there a lot. He ran a lot of routes, which I guess I'd rather have a guy run a lot of routes than not run any routes. So that's something. But, he just didn't he just didn't add anything. So, you know, on top of everything else that we're disappointed about with the athleticism, with the final year, I, you know, I like if he was actually a little bit bigger given kind of his two down profile. Yep. Um, it's hard to get excited about him. Yeah. Uh I think I am correct in saying that we are both interested in Brevin Jordan, who is yes. still only 20. Um Played at played at Miami. I mean, I I don't know if you want to call his 2018 season a breakout, but he was a true freshman who played in nine games, 32 catches, 287 yards, and four touchdowns as an 18 year old tight end in the ACC. I mean, it's not like a, a breakout breakout, but playing as a, a freshman tight end in a power five conference is pretty interesting. And then he ran a four, six, eight at 245 pounds at his pro day. He's not like a, you know, this isn't like a, a, a Vernon Davis, Doran Dickerson situation where he's like a crazy spark guy, but it looks like he can play. It looks like he can play. And it looks like he is a very good receiving tight end. And to mm-hmm. me, it looks like a more dynamic version of Irv Smith. I think he's got like a Jordan Reed type of ceiling. He was, he's 20 years old and he hit the wide receiver breakout threshold, the 30% dominator rating that we're looking for as a true junior. Uh, He's an early declare and he had 2.7 yards per route run in that junior season, 2020. That's again, like we want that from wide receivers and he's doing that as a tight end. And to me, what I like about that as well is that it's kind of weird for an offense to be running through the tight end like that. And normally I'd be like, okay, yeah, he, he, they're funneling him targets, but maybe they just didn't have anybody else. They're running their offense through the tight end. It's probably really inefficient and gross. It was actually really efficient. So that's pretty rare. I'm excited about him. I think people were knocking him because he's like a little undersized, but he's not that small. And uh-uh. you know, he, he basically the size of Irv Smith and he's, yeah. I think a better, a much better receiving prospect than Irv Smith was. So I think that there's cover for Brevin Jordan with all the Kyle Pitts hype and the Kyle Pitts hype is warranted, but in tight end premium drafts, I think Brevin Jordan is kind of getting slept on. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, all right. Who are some of the other dudes that you are finding interesting 
in this class. You have anyone who who's moved up for you, moved down for you? So I think the last time we podcasted was like two weeks ago. Tylen Wallace is someone that I'm pretty interested in. It seems uh, like the NFL likes him. Yeah, I mean, he tore his ACL in 2019, and then he came back and had a really good season. So he kind of answered that question of, you know, is he fully healthy? But it also helps answer the question of, like, why did this dude return to school? Why is he a four-year player? Which we're generally less interested in those four-year players. But when you look at his uh, what he did as a true sophomore, he had 36% of the yards, 36% of the touchdowns. True junior, 47% of the yards, 53% of the touchdowns, 50% dominated rating. I mean, he was absurd. That's only in eight games because he did tear his ACL. But then he came back and did 42% of the yards and 40% of the touchdowns. Career market share of yards of 35%. Career dominated rating of 34. I mean, it's everything you want from a four-year player. Just the hyper productivity throughout his entire career is not some you know one-year wonder where all he did was crush when he was a senior. So I'm pretty excited about him. I really, really hope he goes day two because the, the draft position obviously matters. He'll, he'll go day two. He'll go day two. If he goes I, day I think two, there's I'm, enough I'm chatter. Yeah. yeah um, he's exciting. Yeah. I also think the, the vibe I get is that Sage Surratt is going to go day two as well. And he's not like a, some great prospect or anything, but enough of the, the big accounts like move the sticks and, and some of the, and I, I think uh, the sports info solutions handbook that our friend uh, Matt Mancharchin runs, I think they had him as their number eight wide receiver prospect in the class. Like there, there seems to be enough smoke to where I, I think he is going to go higher than fantasy Twitter expects him to go. He did not make my top 40 at ETR. Yeah. <laughs> and I think he's sort of like immediately I was getting questions about him and um, probably like the biggest snub was was not including him. But my thinking was, you know, he ran a 4740. And we want to talk about not the, great. Yeah. And and these are like the the 40s. You're just talking about how we need to adjust them slower. Yeah, They're juiced. Yeah. Yeah. So a juiced four seven. No, thank you. And I guess I'm assuming that that's how NFL teams will feel. Look, if he goes third round, I'll move him up. He'll probably be around 30th in my ranks. But uh, I'm I'm assuming that that 4740 hurt him quite a bit. He's another one of these guys who's a four-year player. He was pretty productive, though. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm not like kind of writing him off. I think he's definitely got to see like the, – the problem is he was productive – in a 2019 season, he only has two seasons on the books, 2018 yeah. and 2019, didn't play 2020. So when you're saying like he's productive over his entire career, well, he had one good season. He was good in 2019 as a true junior, um, which I like, but I don't know. He's like a tricky eval for me, and I'm not willing to kind of just assume the draft position for him, um, given the rest of the profile, because of, you know, and given that 4740, I, hard for me to imagine him going third round with that but who knows maybe he will um can you explain anthony schwartz to me four two seven forty that's that's all you need he is that real yeah he ran a four two seven forty he's an olympic oh my, sprinter oh my god yeah okay i i i have not done i've not done my homework on this guy but i just have seen him go in these rookie drafts um well i'm in say no more i'm in <laughs> Yeah, and he's you know he's one eighty six and he's six feet. He's not he's not like super tiny. Love to see that, and I I guess he is a combo player because he had 
22 receptions, 27 rushing attempts as a freshman, and then played more pure wide receiver his final season at Auburn. He's just, he's discount Henry Ruggs, and I think he goes day two with that 40. It's, it's pretty good. Yeah. You can't, you can't hate that. Uh, uh, Jalen Waddle in this rookie draft, I, I am in, just went 201. Feels like he maybe has a chance to go in the top 15 of the NFL draft. Feels like he's my he wide might, receiver too right now. Yeah. Feels like he might end up being a huge value in these rookie drafts. Cause even, even if he does go high, I feel like the quarterbacks, Pitts, Chase, ETN, Williams, Harris, like the, the general running back thirst probably pushes him down more than he should. A hundred percent. Right now, as I'm trying to rank these wide receivers, I'm trying to project out where I think they'll go in the draft because it has such a huge impact on, you know, where we're ultimately going to have these guys and how they're ultimately going to do. And, you know, so I've got Rashad Bateman. If Rashad Bateman's a first round pick, I'll like him more than Jalen Waddle. If Terrace Marshall's a first round pick, I'll probably like him more than Jalen Waddle. But Jalen Waddle is going to be a first round pick. We know that. There's no doubt about it. And so right now, I'm like, Jalen Waddle, like, you could be in a situation where Bateman and Marshall are second round picks. In that case, Waddle's profile is going to look clearly better than both of those guys. The thing about Waddle that's tough, you know, when you're looking at the numbers, the way we like to do, he didn't, he didn't hit, you know, the thresholds that we want career market share of only 18%. Yeah. As a, as a junior, he only got to a 26 dominated rating so he never broke out it's very henry ruggs like where you know over his career didn't really do it never broke out yes he's declaring early we like that but where's the production but the thing is as a true freshman he came in and had the best yards per route run of that four wide receiver group and he's a year younger at least than every single one of those guys and then last year his yards per route run were 0.01 worse than devonta smith's who won the heisman he was going off, but he got hurt uh, this past year. And I think that hurt his dominator rating a bit. And then, um, you know, because he, before he got hurt, he was just absolutely smashing. Crushing. Yeah. Yeah. And then as a freshman and sophomore, you kind of have to buy the wide receiver competition argument. But it was a very strange situation where like there's literally four of these guys. They're not even on the field at all, you know, the whole time. So the dominator rating is just, it's really, really tough to apply to these Alabama guys because they're not even able to get out there for all the, all the routes. So the dominator rating is going to be a little bit skewed. If you just kind of squint a little bit and say, okay, he, he basically did break out in that final year. Then he looks like in a really exciting prospect, and if you watch him, yes, we don't have, we do not have the. He looks fucking sick, dude. He's so fast. He's so yeah. fast. Yeah, we don't have the measurables, but he is so so fast. There's just no doubt, and he gets up to speed incredibly quickly. And he was awesome on special teams. So if you have any question about like what's this guy gonna do with the ball in his hands, does he actually have NFL, you know, truly elite athleticism? He was absurdly efficient as a punt returner. Uh, I, I think. There's just I just don't have any real doubts about how his athleticism is going to transfer to the pros. And I think in a smart offense, you know, he can just be it, it, just an, a true weapon. I mean, I saw him mock today to the Cardinals. 
Now, maybe Oof. a smart offense is a little bit strong to describe a Cliff Kingsbury offense, but it's well, at least it's, an electric it's like it's like seventy percent smart. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then they sign AJ Green, and, and you know, it's, it's pretty disgusting. <laughs> yeah. So this actually this actually leads into a good conversation. Um, do you think that Henry Ruggs is a guy that you can get that you should try and get cheaply right now? Because I I actually. I mean, I have some teams where I have picks to spare. I actually, um, in another league, I traded last year for Henry Ruggs from our friend Rich Rebar. Like I, I not and not because I'm like, oh man, Ruggs is a goat or anything like that, but just first wide receiver drafted in a historically good class. Now, obviously, the Raiders are not the best uh, team evaluation ever, but he he does offer at least one unicorn skill, which is the speed. Um, it didn't get used all that often because he's pretty raw as a route runner, I think. But and maybe it's as simple as they need a different quarterback and he can't unlock his ceiling with Derek Carr. But just blanket question: Do you think you should be trying to send low low price offers for Henry Ruggs right now? Yes, I do. I mean, you you said it. First wide receiver drafted in historic class, and yeah, he probably should have been like the the third fourth whatever wide receiver drafted but he was going to be a first round nfl pick there was just that was never there's no doubt yeah yeah so yes you should i mean he he also came in super young one of the reasons that you know we were okay with him as a prospect was that he was really really young he has the speed he has the draft position so you're kind of overlooking some of these other pretty major red flags in terms of the production and unlike waddle you know he did not flash in yards per route run he was not particularly efficient in college. So he's a raw project who's probably going to be a historic bust. But he's pretty cheap right now, and his ceiling is still as high as, it, as it's ever been. I mean, we didn't expect him to come in and immediately crush. He's a young project wide receiver who relies on speed and needs to develop elsewhere. So I would and, definitely be, be targeting him. And he did poorly relative to his class so it just looks terrible right jefferson lamb higgins visca i mean the the list goes on and on uh i will say there were a couple times uh pretty he had what like a 70 yard touchdown against the chiefs he had a couple other like i would say maybe there were like four or five plays over the course of the season where i was like oh i i get it uh one one thing i would anticipate them doing this year is more of the tyreek hill style gadget stuff with him the jet sweeps the pot you know the screens the pop passes if if that does not happen if if they're not doing those sorts of things with him this year i would be pretty bearish like i would just be like it's just not gonna happen especially since they just gave away their whole offensive line yeah so we need those pop passes because i'm i'm worried about slow developing uh deep routes at this point but yeah i mean it's tough with the raiders i i have such a low opinion of that franchise right now that it's I don't really so bad be investing but but i mean just from a probabilistic standpoint like his upside like his upside versus the cost to acquire that equation's in your favor you could probably get rugs right now for the 202 and Curtis Samuel, something like that. Yeah. Depending on, depending on who owns them in your league. Yeah. I think that's, that's probably pretty good. Um, there's the drop. There's like a drop off. I probably like 
and then this is this is why playing in the leagues with all these like uh industry guys is so awful because i'm like i don't know about the 202 i probably do the 204 yeah you would well, you, you'd be like you'd be like well i'd rather have bateman i'd rather have bateman than rugs oh for sure yeah but but i have a drop like the 202 might be elijah moore um or it might be tylen wallace i i think i'd take a big swing on rugs before those guys um i mean this just i think probably elijah moore is more likely to be a good pro than yeah henry ruggs but henry ruggs is more likely to be in but, if, but if henry ruggs is star. good if henry ruggs is good he'll he should be scoring like multiple long t- like deshaun yes. jackson-esque yeah 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 the ceiling's higher if he's good yeah uh okay another another guy who i've been trying to figure out the value of because i own him on a bunch of these teams and he was so bad last year kenny galladay um so like startup season 2018 he was very popular uh he was very good when he played in 2018 and then you know i guess decent when he played last year as well but i think he only played in like five games um kenny galladay what where where are you viewing him in the hierarchy right now yeah, I have him. I'll pull my rice, but I kind of have him like slotted into this spot where I'm like, I'm probably moving you down, Kenny. <laughs> like as we go, you're just gonna get kind of bumped down and bumped down because I, I the way I think about this stuff is like, what's gonna happen after the year, and you know what's what's most likely to happen this year, and then what's that gonna do to his trade value? And I don't think that Kenny Galladay is going to turn in this kind of league winning season. I think, you know, if you are banking on Kenny Galladay, maybe he turns in kind of that Allen Robinson 2019 season where it's like pretty, pretty nice ceiling when we kind of started to write the guy off a little bit because of the situation. And then he surprises, but that's still like Allen Robinson's trade value moved up a bit after that, but not a ton because he's still on the bears and People are, are nervous about what's going to happen the following year. So you almost need Kenny Galladay to pop off to get out at a profit. You do. I, you Not almost. You do need him to pop off to get out at a profit. I think if he has an okay season, he's going to lose value. Um, and so I would Well, yeah, I would he'll be, be, he'll be, 20, he'll be 29 next year. He's 20. Yeah, I guess he'll turn 29 next year. Uh, yeah. His he, birthday's he, in November he, and he's 27. Yeah. 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 Uh, So I just traded him away for a 2022 first, second, and third. And then I also gave up the 404 um, in 2020 to get him. Yeah. I, which I I think if actually talking this through, if I was a team that could win this year in one of these leagues, I would be, I think if I was going for it, I would be comfortable giving up a 2022 first for him but if i if i if i was just a middling team right this is something that sean talks about a lot of neither going for it nor selling off but just having a lot of guys who can start and and just not you know not going intense either way if i was one of those teams that was kind of just going with the flow could make the playoffs could miss the playoffs i think i would be on the sell side on, you should on be him. on the sell side yeah if you're just kind of like if you're yeah, if you're not in a clear position, I think he's definitely a sell. Yeah, I think that uh, I think that seems fair. Um, all right, we should talk. We should talk about uh, the uh, the auction league, the 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 league where you and I are tanking off against each other. Uh, the like, league look where at- I own 
uh, I own the pick of the guy, the 2022 picks of the guy who just sold Christian McCaffrey to get younger that league. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, so this league is, um, it's very interesting because this is where we are in the draft right now. You and I are both tanking off um, of the first 13 picks in this draft. You and I own one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight of the first 13 picks <laughs> between the two of us. Um, this it's, it's uh it's literally a thought experiment. Like th- stuff like this never happens in competitive dynasty leagues because what, what happened um, in this specific league is that I think three people decided to go for it. Two people decided to middle it. And then you and I decided to go full tank. And what happens when a bunch of people go for it and two people are deciding to full tank is that there, there actually exists an equilibrium where you can sell picks and you can buy picks in mass quantities. Now I have way more picks than you this year, but you have, you have me crushed next year. You have what? Uh, four firsts next season. I think I have four full sets of 2022 draft picks. So one through six, I've got four of those, including my it's unbelievable. Because yeah, with the 2020, with the picks two years out, you can just be like, I want all of them. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think um, <laughs> the thing with this league, right? It's an auction league, a slow auction, which yeah. I've never done before. And mm-hmm. so when you say like, you know, some teams decided to go for it. Like I was one of those teams. I drafted Ezekiel Elliott. I drafted Michael Thomas. And then I quickly realized, oh, this is a best ball league. And I don't have any depth because no depth. I miscalculated how this auction, how these auction prices were going to work. And I sold Ezekiel Elliott. I haven't sold Michael Thomas yet, but I'm working on it. And uh, I sold off a bunch of stuff, and then I traded for all these 2022 picks. So uh, had to <laughs> had to move on the fly a little bit here, as I didn't really understand the format. Is my first time doing it. Yeah, I mean, so this is. I would obviously feel great about my chances of you know, exploding, getting better, whatever. But you, you really have me crushed here. Like you, uh, because <laughs> I, I have, I have all the picks this year, but this is not like the strongest draft in human history. Like I I'm kind of just running bad with this, not being a super strong draft. No, I still have extra picks in 2022, but I, 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 um, I'm definitely going to have to do some finagling. Now what's different about our two teams though, is I have, the number one player in Superflex Dynasty, I have Patrick Mahomes. And that is that's nice. Obviously, if I wanted to trade him, I could get whatever I wanted for him. But I I I do kind of I do kind of like the idea of just keeping him and and lagging him down with these losers forever. <laughs> yes. And then in like 2025, Mahomes is still gonna be the number one player in Superflex Dynasty, and he'll still be there. What what I will probably have to do is I will have to sell Clyde Edwards Hilaire for this team. Yeah, you you need to sell him. I, if I were you, I'd be looking to sell him in season this year because I I think you're selling low if you sell him now. Big time. Uh, Damien Williams, I mean, him getting cut, I think that that improves I mean, the ceiling outlook for CEH quite a bit. I mean, look, Daryl, I'll do respect to the mentor. Like, they're, they're not going to do in 2021 what they did in 2020. CEH, CEH will play a lot more in 2021, yeah. I think. I think so, too. And we see, like, Fantasy Deuce did, a, did an article about this years ago 
where draft position actually has more of an impact in playing time in year two than in year one. So they're going to, they're going to get something out of their first round pick this year. They're going to make sure that he's out there, I think. And if he sucks, he sucks. We'll move on. But, but I would, I would be betting on him to show a little something early in the season, but yeah, this is a fun man. I haven't, this is like this ever and it's pretty fun. I've got yeah. the 102, the 107, the 109, and the 202. And Leone like adjusted the draft order. He's like, uh, you know, sorry guys. Like, yeah, he messed it up at order. first. And I was like, God damn it. Like, cause I had looked and I liked my picks and I moved up from the 108 to the 107 and the 110, the 110 to the 109. So I was like, oh, sweet. <laughs> so I'm even more excited than before. I love this 107 to like 201 portion of the draft. I think in Superflex, it is just such a glut of talent there. I mean, you read off that mock earlier where you've got, you know, Lance and Wilson falling into that range because of the, the really premium skill players. And then there's that second tier of guys like Bateman that I like a lot and Rondell Moore and Terrace Marshall. Like those guys are really interesting. The late first in Superflex, I think, is really, really strong this year. Yeah, except in this league, that's not going to happen. The quarterbacks are all going early. You're not going to get you're not going to get any cheap quarterbacks in this specific league. I think the drafters are too good. But then, so what? At 107, I'm going to get Pitts, Chase, or Etn. It'll be Etn. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll take it. I'm excited. Where Where are you at on Etn? Because there seems to be he Etn Etn is the number one running back, and I would take him if he well. There, there is not like a Chiefs Colts esque like great landing spot. Uh, I guess maybe unless the Steelers take him, that would well, the be car- maybe- the Cardinals. Is the Cardinals. The-, the Steelers scare the shit out of me for ETN because I don't think you don't. I mean, yeah, what's their plan after Ben? What's their plan after Ben? Their offensive line is is crumbling, and I think they generally want a guy who's going to kind of move the offense along. Like he's sort of the worst fit for them. I think they'd be way better off with Najee. Um, yeah. or Javante Williams. But I you know, I, I actually think that ETM would be pretty interesting on the Jets, which I know is not something that anyone's ever well, said before hey, about the if Jets. Zach, but... If Zach Wilson is good, if the new coaching staff, I mean, you know, we would You're not be the first time. Yeah. That that outside zone scheme, the Shanahan scheme, I think is a perfect fit for for ETM. He's ex, he's an explosive runner. I mean, if you like in a one-cut system, he could be really nice, and they probably throw him a little bit. No competition on that roster, really. I mean, what Tevin Coleman, Ty Johnson, like he he would run away with that job, and there'd be a yeah, they'd mix in some of the other guys, maybe a little bit too much, maybe that'd be somewhat frustrating. But the profile of ETN is not that we need him to be a workhorse; it's that he's going to deliver on limited touches, elite yep. fantasy numbers. So actually, I think the Jets is probably of the realistic destinations that probably doesn't include the Cardinals because they really shouldn't be drafting a running back given that they don't have a third round pick. I, I think the Jets might be the best uh, landing spot for him. Yeah. I, I just am looking at this draft and I'm just going to, I'm going to have to be trading these picks for future picks. Cause I, I have, I literally think I have like 28 picks in our rookie draft this year. So I'm going to, I'm going to have to be on the phones. I'm curious to see how you play it because I, you know, I have so many picks next year. So this is going to be a little bit of a template for, what to do or what not to do. We'll, you we'll just, you, you just out, out, you just outflanked <laughs> me here. I, I should have done a better job dispersing the picks between 2022, 2021 and 2022, but I just loaded up all this year. So I guess we'll find out. 
I think there's a pretty good draft class, though. I wouldn't hate being kind of all in on this draft class. There's enough. There's enough depth in this draft draft class, particularly a quarterback. Um, I mean, if I get you're going to get get, one of the quarterbacks. If I get two quarterbacks, Rondell Moore and Gainwell, out of my four picks, out of the first thirteen, that's probably good enough to feel good. And then, I mean, I have so many picks, I just got to hit on like two guys for the rest of the draft. Right. Yeah, and. You are literally cutting players every day. I see emails come in saying, Davis I just, Maddox I just dropped one. I just cut Nick Mullins. Yeah. There's no cut down in this league. And every, every day I'm getting emails about who you're cutting. It's Hey, it's therapeutic, dude. Yeah. It's very, so, it's very, it's very therapeutic for so me. So you have the roster spots is my point. <laughs> These yes, draft I do. Picks are, yeah. You've got plenty of roster spots. So I, it could be good. You could be okay, back here's, up on your feet. Here's uh last thing. Tony Pollard in dynasty would you i i still think well so the problem with pollard is whoever has him at this point entering into year three is just a true believer they've held on they have like there's just no way you can get him i i would say if it was just rational computers doing trading um he would be a good buy but you can't buy him like i'm i have tony pollard in this league where literally i'm trying to not score points and i still don't think i could sell him cheap yeah i I'm excited about Tony Pollard. I'm very unexcited about Zeke Elliott. It seems pretty clear at this point that Pollard's the better running back. And we know yeah. that this happens quickly. Like the running back position is basically just all about extreme athleticism. You need to be the best athlete back there. And as soon as you're not, you know, the other guy's probably a better running back than you. And and that flip happened last year. Pollard's, Pollard's the better running back, I think. The problem with Pollard is that Zeke's contract is going to keep him around for the next two years. And so like, what's going to, what's going to become of Pollard? Is he ever going to actually have a chance to be a fantasy star? Is it just going to be kind of a tease? I'm a little it'll bit be, worried. It'll be like the, Chase Edmonds. Yeah. Well, but Chase Edmonds in his final year of his rookie deal is potentially, if they don't draft anyone, getting the starting job. Uh, Pollard isn't set up for that because, because of Zeke's contract it locks him out for his entire rookie deal. Yeah, it's not great. I'm worried he's going to have the Ben Tate career arc. Oh, no, dude. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, yeah, he goes in round eight every single year of high stakes leagues and then literally never is good. What? Oh, and then what? Ben Tate finally played in Cleveland, I think. And That's then right. Was and then ter- was wasn't good. He wasn't good anymore. <laughs> His entire That's- career was wasted behind Arian Foster. Yeah. All right. Uh I think that'll do it for us here. Everyone follow Pat on Twitter. Uh, we'll be back next week with, uh, with more takes. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.